all, we're all pumped up from the encounters, and uh, what a great, great time we had this weekend. I went home last night so tired I could hardly get one foot in front of the other, but so excited I couldn't hardly keep my car in the road. I just jumping for joy. Man, we had men set free, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, left here just praising and worshiping God, and uh, back this morning and ready to go for some more. My message today is really a follow-up to the encounters. We had ladies' encounters, men's encounter, and the youth encounter coming up. But, um, you, you know, if, if we bring you together for an encounter and all we do is kind of give you a little weekend revival and um, you kind of let that wear off and just kind of slump back down into the seat, then we failed in our mission because there's a whole lot more than just that. Amen. We're saved to serve. Can somebody say amen? We are are saved to serve. There is a reason why the Lord wants us free and wants us full of his spirit because he wants us to help fulfill the great commission. And the great commission is not just about saving souls, but it's about fulfilling the vision of God himself. Did you know God has a vision for this world? When he created the heavens and the earth, he he had a vision for that. When he made man in his image, he had a vision for that. So my title today is God's Vision for the World. And I want to take you for my text to the 15th chapter of Genesis. I'm going to read the first six verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, to him, so shall your descendants be. Here was Abram's response. He believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. From the very beginning of time, God had an eternal vision for humanity. And that vision incorporates everybody in this house today. Look at your neighbor and say, God has vision for you. You were in his mind. You were in his heart before you ever drew your first breath. He knew all about you. From the moment of conception, God had destiny and purpose in mind for you. And you're part of his dream. His original plan was to have the earth populated with a great, great big family, lots and lots of people, millions, billions of people that would be in his family that he could love and fellowship and have eternal fellowship with. That's what God desires for us. The plan, as you know, had a temporary setback because of sin that entered into the human family, because of Adam and Eve and their failure and their falling 
sin came into the human family and the enemy thought he had destroyed God's, God's vision for the earth. But little did he know that God had a marvelous backup plan. And that plan was to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this world. The golden text of the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The reason he gave his only begotten son was so that you and I could be saved, so that we could be restored, so that we could be brought back in, so that we could help fulfill the vision and the desire of our heavenly father. Now, let me say this. There is nothing in life more rewarding than bringing your vision, maybe I should say it this way, than catching God's vision and making it your vision as well. You're talking about fellowship and harmony with God. When you catch his vision and let it become your vision and you realize then why you're here and what it's all about. So I want to talk about that vision, that vision that God has and our part in it. Now, first of all, we recognize that there is a problem. We, uh, uh, we, we are dealing with a lost world. When you go out the door of this church this morning, get in your car, drive out the gate and get out into the highway or whichever way you're, you're going, you're driving into a lost world. There's a lot of people out there that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there are multitudes of people out there who are not into God's vision. And they are not into his eternal purpose and destiny. For some reason, they have not caught that vision yet. Maybe it's because the enemy has deceived them. Maybe it's because they've never heard. They just don't understand. They just need somebody to get the gospel to them. But for whatever reason, that, that presents a problem. There's a second problem. We have a very defiant enemy that is opposing God's plan and opposing God's vision. And, uh, and he is defiant. He doesn't let up. Jesus talked about the problems with reaching this world as he prepared his disciples for the great commission that he would leave to them when he left this earth. In, in one of his teachings found in Matthew chapter 13, he uses um, um, parables to teach them. And, and he uses a parable about something with which they were all very familiar. I happen to think that perhaps Jesus was actually walking along with his disciples when he gave this uh, parable. Other people had gathered around a large crowd and he was teaching them all. But I think as he was walking along, perhaps off to his left or maybe off to his right, there was a farmer out in his field sowing. His ground had been plowed. And, and remember, they didn't have the machinery that we have today. So sowing the field consisted of the farmer having this huge bag, the strap around his neck, this huge bag of seed. And, and they literally sowed the, their land with their hands, by hand. And so he's throwing out the seed as he goes. He's throwing one row right after another and a, another row and a, another row as he, as he is 
getting ready. He's, he's preparing now for a harvest that, that he sees by faith that's coming. And so Jesus just locks into that with his teaching and he shares this. I'll read it to you. Uh, then he spake many things to them by parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the field, uh, some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some of, now remember, he's seeing this farmer and, and as he throws out that seed, some of it, he said that it, it went by the wayside. In other words, he didn't get all of it in the rows. Um, some, uh, some of the, uh, of it fell on stony places where they uh, didn't have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, uh, most of the crowd, I think, I know they got the story, but uh, perhaps figured out what he was saying. At least Jesus said to to his followers, if you got ears to hear, then hear what I'm saying. This has a spiritual application. Later on, Jesus continued to teach the crowd. Later on, his disciples came to him privately and asked him to expand on that parable, to explain it to them more fully, especially to give them the spiritual implication and application um, so that they would know what to do with it. So when you drop down to verse 18, you find Jesus explaining the parable. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, doesn't understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. Now, let, let, let's, let's explain what that is. Most of you probably understand that, but just for, for, for amplification. We sit here on Sunday morning and we hear the word of God. But let me tell you, we have an enemy out there that does not want the word of God to have its intended effect in your life because the word of God is powerful. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides asunder to the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of man's heart. If it's planted, it will grow if it's planted in good soil. The, the word of God is powerful. It's powerful. In fact, Jesus said in John six sixty three, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Do you, do you get what Jesus is saying there? He didn't say my words have life. He said my words are life. There is life in the word of God. So what Satan does when you hear the word of God, when we minister the word of God, whether it's in a Sunday school class or a connect group or whether it's uh, from the pulpit or wherever it may be from, the enemy will come immediately and try to steal that word out of your heart because he, he does not want it to have the intended effect. One of the things that we, we have to deal with when people come and give their heart to Jesus You can have a joyous experience at the altar. 
You can, you can open your heart to the Lord and literally be born again. The Spirit of God can come in and you can experience the joy of salvation. You can, you can walk away from the altar thrilled to know that your name's just been written on the Lamb's book of life, that you have eternal life now abiding in you. But I promise you, before you get to your car in the parking lot, the enemy will come and he'll present some questions like this. Did you really get saved? Are, are, are you sure? Was that just an emotional experience you had and nothing really? Or, or he, will, he will blame you and, and, and focus a lie at you and say, you didn't really get saved. You, you just got caught up in, the, in the, what was going on in the crowd there. You didn't really. And so we have to come against that. Because that's the defiant enemy that comes to steal the word of God out of your heart. Let's go further as Jesus explains it. Look at verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet there's no root in himself because, but he endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now look what Jesus is saying here. He said, I watched the farmer. He's throwing out the seed. Some of it fell by the wayside. Some of it fell in stony places. And he said, that, that's like people who receive the word of God, but they, they, they don't go further with it. And please hear me, all of you that have been to encounters in the last few weeks, that, that's, that's not an end. That's a beginning. I mean, we go from there. Amen. Don't, 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 don't just let the word starve by, by not feeding it, by not watering it, by not, by not doing anything to, to, to help it to grow. Because if you do, you're going to run into some things out there that you may not have been expecting and it will throw you unless you have depth in the word of God. And he tells you what that is. It's tribulation and persecution because of the word's sake. Sometimes you'll go home with this newfound experience in the Lord and, and it may be your husband that discourages you. It could be a wife that discourages you. It could be children. It could be parents. It could be brothers and sisters. It could be aunts, uncles, or cousins. It could be family members. It could be neighbors. It could be people where you work. But somebody somewhere out there is going to challenge you, and if you're not careful, they'll make fun of you. Remember, that's a lost world out there. And if you don't have some depth, those persecutions will throw you. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But, but here's the good news. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In, in other words, if you'll follow hard after Jesus, you'll get through that. You can be successful. You don't have to let that throw you. But a lot of people do. And, and so then he goes on, verse 22. Now he who receives the seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Let me tell you, if the enemy can't steal the word of God out of your heart before you get to your car, if he can't attack you with tribulation and persecution and cause you to give up and throw in the towel, then he'll try another approach. He'll get you so focused on this world and he'll deceive you into thinking that, that, that it's, it's all about what you can get in life. 
You, you know, it's, it's uh, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. In other words, it's all about me. It's all about me. Deceitfulness or riches. Yeah. And, and so if he can get you to go that direction, he may not get you to backslide. He may not get you to go back out in open sin. He may not get you to, to go back into the world, but he will keep you contained so that you have an unfruitful life. And again, what he's done is short-circuit the division of God in your life. Because let me tell you something, friend. If you could get a whole lot in your can and you could hoard it up and keep it all for yourself, the fact is this life is short and you'll still leave it all behind. The only fruitful productivity that's going to count in the long run is the fruitfulness of our lives in the kingdom of God. Amen. Give God praise for that. You see, that's going to last a lifetime. Brother Bernard, if I run into you 10,000 years from now, you'll still be rejoicing over what you did for the Lord because it'll still be reaping benefits. God will still be blessing. Praise the Lord. Amen. If I don't run into you, look me up and I'll rejoice. You can rejoice with me. Amen. Only what's done for Christ will last. But that will last. And, and that's the vision of God for our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have a reward when we get to heaven. He wants us to be, he wants us to be a part of his eternal vision for the kingdom of God. Oh, let's look at the last one because there it is, verse 23. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he that hears the word of God. He understands it. And indeed, he bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Praise God. That's what God wants for you, that kind of productivity and that kind of blessing. Anybody up for that? Would you like to, would you like to have it? All right. God bless you. Amen. Now, Jesus did another teaching along these same lines. In, in fact, it's in the preceding chapter, chapter 12 of Matthew. And, and he gives us some insight on something else that the enemy often does. In chapter 12, beginning verse 43, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and he finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from whence I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last estate of that man's worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Yeah, here's, here's another problem. Here's another problem. When, when you get free, and that's, that's a... A great emphasis on, on our encounters. We, we want you to be free. And the reason we want you to be free is because God wants you to be free. God doesn't want you in bondage to bad habits. God doesn't want you to be controlled, your life controlled by a bunch of old evil spirits and, you know, envy and jealousy and hatred and pride and, and all that kind of stuff or addiction to drugs or pornography or any of that kind of stuff. He wants you free. He wants you to be free. 
And, and, and that's why in, in, the, in our encounters, we, we go from the first session leading up to the, to, to the, very, uh, the very height of that thing is where we, we, we pray for that deliverance and that freedom. And, and, and boy, there's a spirit of rejoicing comes into place. And, and men in the men's encounter and women in the women's encounter and young folks in the youth encounter will declare their freedom. And they'll say, praise God. And, and the enemy has to go. He has to go. Because we take the authority of God's word, we take the powerful, strong name of the Lord Jesus, and and he has to go. He doesn't have any choice. He has to go. He has to go. Amen. He glory to I like what James Robinson said. He said, I got more authority over the devil than I've got over my little dachshund dog at my house. He said, my dog don't obey me, but said, when I speak in the strong name of Jesus, demons have to flee. And, and they do. They do. We've got, we've got power. The Lord said, I, behold, I've given you power over serpents and scorpions and all the powers of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. In other words, nothing's going to be able to stand against you in the strong, mighty, powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we, 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 we get that freedom. But that's not our last session. And let me tell you why. Because we don't want to just empty you out and leave you an empty vessel. We want you to get filled with the Spirit of God. Because if you don't, those evil spirits that have been dislodged and they're gone, they're not going to be happy out there and they're going to come and try to attack you again. And if, if they come back and discover that you've got all cleaned up and victorious and praise God, the blood of Jesus has washed you white as snow and he realizes he can't defeat you, then he'll go get seven more devils just like himself and he'll come and try a second attack on you. Now, don't, don't be afraid. You don't have to worry about that unless you're sitting there an empty vessel. That's why we want you to get filled with the Spirit. Because if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> glory to God. I don't care if he brings seven or 17 or 77 or 700 or 7,000. Glory to God. If you're full of the Spirit and the Spirit, there's just no place for him to get in. Amen. There's just no place. No place. No place. So here's the solution. Here's the solution. We want you, first of all, to win for the Lord. In other words, we want you to get busy about your father's business. It's time to evangelize. If you've gotten filled with the spirit, he did not fill you with the spirit so you can sit and soak and sour. He filled you with the Holy Spirit so you can be about your father's business, connect with the vision of God and help win the world to Jesus. Amen. Behold, I give unto you power, he said. There's also, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing so that overflow will spill over on somebody else. And we need to allow that. So the first thing we need to do, start winning people for Jesus. Oh, you're talking about joy unspeakable and full of glory. When you win somebody to Jesus, wow, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. The next thing you need to do is get connected. 
If you're not connected, get connected. We got a, they talked about a dream team earlier in announcements. Do you hear that? What they say? We got about 25 places around here where you can serve. You need to be connected. Get connected. Get about the Father's business and get connected with others who are doing the, the good things of the Lord so you can be a blessing and a strength to one another. We're part of the body of Christ. That means we're connected to one another. Amen. I got to thinking about this not long ago. I was telling me you need to get connected. You need to get on the dream team. You need to, and it dawned on me I wasn't on the dream team. So I went back there to the atrium desk and I said, I want to sign up for the dream team. I will, I will, where do you want to work, preacher? I said, put me on the parking lot. I want to get out there where I can see, for, see folks. So the first Sunday of every month, I'm out there driving a the golf cart. Hey, Amen. And it's fun. It's fun. And I appreciate all of you. Y'all are so kind. I don't know how many people have come out there when I'm driving the golf court trying to get me off and say, Preacher, you don't need to let me help you out here. And, and I have to tell them, no, no, you can't help me. I'm on the team. It's my Sunday. This is my assignment. You, you get me off this and they'll fire me. I don't, you know. But listen, we're all in this together. We're in this together. This is the work of the Lord. We're, we're one body. We don't, have, we don't have two different levels of ministry around here. We don't, I, I'm not pastor so I can sit in the office and, and bark out orders to everybody else. No, we may have different positions, but we're all on the same team. We're all working for the same purpose. We're all connected to the same vision. We're one in Christ. Amen. So let's be about our Father's business. And then, and then the next thing you need is that discipleship. Remember, some of that seed wasn't, wasn't able to come up because it didn't have any depth. That's why you need to be in a small group. Boy, I wish I could get everybody in New Hope to, to, to join a small group, a connect group, and, and, and meet with some. It, it's wonderful. Listen, men, li, li, listen, I'll, I'll focus in on the men because we've got more ladies groups than we've got men. Ladies are just more relation-oriented, and they, they, they kind of, they, they're given towards that more than men are. Men are real standoffish. Men don't, you know, we're just different. We're not, we're not into all that stuff too much as a natural thing. So it takes men, it's not because we don't need it. It's just because it's not our natural bent, and, and we have to, to kind of be coaxed along to it. But let me tell you, there's nothing like getting among a band of brothers and get to know some guys and get to know them well enough that you can begin to trust them. Well, I've seen good things happen in our men's small groups when men get to the point that they trust one another and realize that when they're in that meeting, they're in a safe place. And that helps them to open up. And, and, and again, back to the difference between men and women, if we if we were to take all the people, all of the ladies in here that, and, and pick out, uh, let's say, 50 ladies and none of them know each other and put all y'all over in the student center and uh, come back 30 minutes later, y'all would already, you'd, you'd be talking about your kids, you'd be talking about your family, we'd know, we'd know all about that. 
if we took the same number of men and put them in a, a group together and come back 30 minutes later, they wouldn't know anything about each other except they, they'd know what football team they liked. Um, they'd know whether they liked to hunt or fish or, you know, we, we, we kind of stay on that. We don't get down in here where the, until we learn to trust. But listen, men, we need it as much as the ladies need it. It takes us a little longer. But, oh, I have seen the beauty of men becoming connected and caring about one another and praying for one another and sharing with one another. I want to tell you, I, 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 I don't ever want to be without close male friendship that I can share my burdens with, my heartaches and my pains, and also my failures and my shortcomings and my needs. And you can find that in a small group, and we need that. That kind of discipleship will help us grow because then we can share the Word of God with one another. We can get right in there and say, this is what the Word of God says about this. I got your back. I'll help you with this. I'll, I, I, we, we need that. That's that discipleship. And then finally... Uh, we, we, we go from there to, to sending out. In other words, we, we begin to multiply. And that's, that's the vision that God had. When he carried Abraham outside of the tent in that vision, said, look up at the stars. Th this is what I want. He said, and, and I want you to multiply. And Abraham said, good night, God. I don't, even, I don't even have a child. And God said, that's all right. I want you to multiply. I want you to multiply. And the long and short of it is that although Abraham at that time did not have a child and didn't have a child until he was 100 years old and his wife was 90, his descendants have multiplied. I mean, his son Isaac had a set of twins and, and both of those boys had big families. And Jacob had 12 sons and boy, it took off from there. In fact, you don't have to go very far in the Bible till you discover that Abraham's descendants now are into the millions. God wants us to multiply in a spiritual sense. Young folks, he wants you winning other young folks to Jesus. He wants your life to multiply. He wants, he wants, to, he wants to multiply. Hey, 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 middle age, adults, he wants you to multiply. Spirit, he, wants it, he wants it to go. Senior adults, don't get the idea that you've passed the age where you have some responsibility in this thing. No, 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 no. You don't get too old. Ask Abraham again. You don't get too old. You, you, just, you just keep going for the Lord. Keep going for the Lord. You, you, ought, to, you ought to be about the Father's business till you, till you go to glory. Winning folks to Jesus. Winning folks to Jesus. We, we need to send out into the harvest field. We need to get out there. Deploy, as it were. Share what's in your heart. You say, well, preacher, I, I just don't, you know, I don't have, I'm just kind of an ordinary person. Nothing real spectacular has ever happened in my life. You still got a testimony. Still got a testimony. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bro Brother Roger was telling me the other, the other day, you know, he, he rides on the canal, gets his exercise early in the morning. I mean, bicycles. And, um, and it's also a devotion time for him. He, and he ran into a guy the other morning that uh, was just bubbling over, just had to tell him his story. And he, 
and, and uh, Brother Roger, I'm going to try to repeat it and hope I don't mess it up. If, if I do, you can stand up and wave me down and uh, correct me on it. But uh, the guy shared with, with Pastor Roger that, that he and his wife was on one of those small islands in the Caribbean um, right before Irma hit. And, and it was a real small island. They were vacationing. They really wanted to get away, and they cut off their uh, cell phones, and they were just enjoying it. And they didn't even know anything about a hurricane coming their way. They didn't know anything about it until they got back to their hotel room, and there was a notice on the door, evacuate if you can. And so they didn't know what was going on. They turned on the cell phones, and his wife called her mother, and their mother was in a panic mode, said, we thought you guys were dead. We thought it already hit that island, and, and we'd heard that islands had been wiped out, and we couldn't hear from you. been calling and calling and calling. <laughs> they didn't realize they'd turned their cell phone off, and so and they told us, get out of there if you can. Get out of there in a hurry if you can. And, it, and the airport had already been shut down. There was no way they could get out of it. So you know what they did? They just, they just took one of these scriptures out of the Word that declares protection over God's people. I don't know which one it was. could have been something like, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I, it could have been one of those, you know. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I don't, I don't think Brother Roger shared with me what the Scripture was, and the guy may not have told him, but he, he took a Scripture, and he and his wife agreed on it, and then he went out on the beach. Listen to this. He went out on the beach, and, and he wrote that Scripture in huge letters. I mean, he, he got something big where he could dig into that sand, and he wrote that Scripture in the sand, I mean, he wrote it where you could probably see it from an airplane if you look down. He wrote the Word of God there. And then, and, and then he told the Lord, he said, now, now Lord, I'll, t- I'll tell anybody to listen. I'll tell it wherever I go. I'll tell, it, I'll tell everybody uh, that you protected us. If you'll honor your Word here and rebuke that storm. And, and he and his wife just stood together in faith and, and demanded that that storm obey the Word of God. And then they got in their hotel, and they, I mean, they were right in the eye of the storm, and they, and they watched it on their on their phone, and the the radar as that storm came right to that beach where that scripture was, and then went around that island, and completely, completely passed that island up. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah. Yeah, we listen, folks. We got testimonies. There, there are testimonies all over this room, and and some of you've been sitting on those testimonies. And again, if you're one of those people, say, "Well, preacher, I'm just or it's nothing spectacular happened to me. Nothing happened to you. Listen, you were lost and you're now found. You were dead and you're now alive. You were going to hell and now you're going to heaven. You got eternal life." Your name's on the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got a testimony. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Yes. You got a testimony. Share it. There's no telling who you win to Jesus. My blessed old uncle that preached the sermon the night I got saved. He's gone to glory now. He was about 93 when the Lord took him home. His entire ministry, he pastored little churches 
that most people would say were insignificant. Never pastored a church that was able to support him. He was a bivocational preacher. He worked a full-time job and pastored those little churches. But God saves people in his ministry that are in ministry. I'm one of those. And I thank God for it. I got a feeling when I get to glory, my Uncle John, who never pastored a church as big as some of the Sunday school classes in this church, will probably step up and get a reward bigger than a lot of the guys that we call big preachers because he was faithful to do what God had for him to do where he was. That's it. That's it. That's it. Here's my third and final point. I'll close with this. This this is the challenge. This is the challenge right here. here. Here it is. The challenge is simply to answer the call. Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Here's what, here's what the, he, he, Isaiah said. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That's all God's looking for this morning is for somebody that will say, Here I am. Here I am. I'm available. Can I tell you this morning that in the kingdom of God, availability is more important than ability. One of the reasons some of you are not busy for God is because you don't feel like you have the ability. That's not a problem with God. The problem is not ability. The problem is availability. God's not going to make you available because he won't violate your will. But Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord in the temple saying, who will go for us and whom shall we send? And Isaiah jumped up and said, here I am. Send me. He was available. Let me tell you why ability is not such a big deal with God. Because if you're available, God can give you the ability. Amen. And God will give you the ability. In fact, God will never call on any of us to do anything that we can't do with his help and his grace. He will always give you the ability to do what he calls on you to do. So forget about ability, just availability. That's all, that's all you need to worry about this morning. Lord, I'm available. I'm available. And I hope those of you that have been through recent encounters and, and everybody else under the sound of my voice this morning will, will say, Lord, I'm, I'm, here I am. I'm, I'm willing. You don't know who you may win to the Lord. You don't know who you may influence. You, you know, what one, of our, one of our dear, quiet brothers that most of the world would say was insignificant lived next door to Pastor Roger Gardner when Pastor Roger Gardner was an outlaw biker full of the devil racing his motorcycle engine till he would aggravate the whole neighborhood high and strung out but he started praying for brother Roger 
Now, I don't know that he's the reason that Pastor Roger got saved, but he had a part of it. Amen? And all of us know Pastor Roger's got the gift of evangelism. He's winning people to Jesus. I, I mean, just it's just a daily routine with him. He just gifted in that area. He just, God just used him, bless him. But we got a good brother that's already in heaven. I'll guarantee you we'll share in the rewards of the fruit of the ministry of the bridge and, and outreach ministries because of his prayers and his faithfulness to do what he could do when this guy moved next door to him. Amen. Somebody led Billy Graham to the Lord. Somebody led Dwight L. Moody to the Lord. Somebody, and I'll guarantee you that, that those people that led those people, Lord, had no idea where they were going for Jesus, where those people were going for Jesus. They had no idea. All God wants you to do this morning is to be available to do what he blesses you to be able to do where you are. All you need to do is just say, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm available. Will you stand with me, please, all over the building? I'm, I'm available. I'm available. I want the prayer team to come quickly. We want to have prayer before we go. We want to give you an opportunity to pray. We want to encourage you to come in and pray. We want to, if, if you have needs of any kind, if you're suffering in body today, you want somebody to pray for you to be healed, we've got, we've got a team here that will be glad to just lay hands on you and pray for you and believe God for the healing of your bodies and, and for victory in whatever area of life you may need. Maybe a, phys a financial need. It could be some other need. Whatever it is, we're, we're here for you. If you want to come give your heart to Jesus, we really encourage you to do that. Come, this will be the greatest day of your life to say, I got saved on Sunday morning at New Hope. Praise God. Come and do that. Many of you, many of you, the altar's open. You can come on and start coming now. Some of you already are. I want to also appeal to all of those of you that are standing here this morning and say, Preacher, I'm going to take that step of faith. Remember, when Abraham took that step of faith, he just, he just said, Yes, God, I agree with you. And it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was declared the friend of God. There's some of you, and I hope many of you this morning will say, Lord, in this service this morning, I want you to know I'm available. I'm available. Maybe I've been a little hesitant. Maybe I've been a little backward. Maybe I've been a little shy. Maybe I've just, maybe I just hadn't even thought about it much, Lord. But I want, I want you to know, God, that I agree with your vision this morning, and I want to connect with that vision, and I just want to tell you I'm available. I'm available. Yeah, I'm available. I, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. You just show me what to do. You just open the door of opportunity. You give me the chance. I'm, I'm here. You can count on me, Lord. Just like Isaiah, here I am, Lord. If that's you, I want you to just come and stand here by faith this morning and tell the Father, yes, Lord, I couple with that vision. I connect with that today. I'm, I'm willing. I want, your, I want to be a part of that. I want you to have your way in my life. God bless you as you respond. And as you pray, the altar's open.